due to the graphic nature of this program, listener discretion is advised. Witch Chili, episode one. Thank you so much for joining us today. Season five. Episode 25. My name is Dandy. And joining... I'm Requiem. You're taking too long. I had to. I'm Miguel. Hi. I, I, I like watching anime titties. You, you know, just, just anime titties. Which kind? I mean, usually the big fat kind, you know. the Male or female, though? Yeah, hell yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you didn't expect that question. Well, I mean, you, you know, in, in, in the topic of anime titties... One could say that Lieutenant Armstrong from Full Metal Alchemist has some impressive man titties. Oh yeah, don't dude! And her fuck and her fucking smile is like the best. Definitely waifu material, bro. Yeah, yeah. Armstrong is the that's the punchy dude with the mustache and the curly cue on his head. I was talking about his sister, bro. Nah, man, it's a chick, man. Don't don't say it's a dude. She has like the best smile I've ever seen on like a waifu. Like, have you seen it? It's fucking amazing. Actually, I forgot. He has a couple sisters. Yeah, but we only ever saw the one that was in the, like, basically in Russia. It's basically Russia. Like, everybody knows. Well, no, in uh, the original Full Metal Alchemist, we actually got to meet his sister. And she was a regular human being. She wasn't, like, this crazy roided out person. Neither was the other sister. She was just really able to kick anybody's ass. And honestly, that was, like, the best part. Like, she didn't care who you were. She was going to kick your ass. Well, I mean, whenever you're basically living in Russia, I mean, you kind of have to be a badass, don't you? Technically, yeah. Yeah. Communism, man. But she is from the Armstrong family, so she was already giftedly strong, just like her brother. But, you know, she, she was just stronger. You know... Whenever I started watching uh, Brotherhood, that was actually about the point where I jumped in when uh, Ed and Al first uh, went up to the wall. I don't know anything that happens prior to that, man. Uh, his <laughs> arm was frozen, so he couldn't use it. So he basically had, uh, uh, what was her name? Wendy? Wasn't that her name? Yeah, yeah Wendy. Winry. Uh, Winry. That's what it was. I oh, knew Winry. it was something close to Wendy. Um had her actually come all the way up there to fix his arm and it turned out that uh one of the guys actually had like an arm implant too and had the uh had a really upgraded version to where she was actually begging him to like take the upgraded version well, wasn't it lighter or heavier it was lighter because you had to go with a uh, lighter metal in colder weather otherwise if you have hard metal if you have heavy metal in cold weather it won't be able to move. If you have light metal okay. and uh, cold, if you have light armor and cold weather, it can move, but it'll be as if it was heavy metal. How how did you feel about seeing the little girl and the dog combined together, though? Like honestly, I felt pretty sad. We don't talk about this. Oh my god, we are never going to escape that. Nope. I'm just saying, like, I felt actually pretty sad. Dude, that was one of the most sad things to happen in anime. And I think they did a really good job with it, too. Is because of the fact that you're actually like, 
wait a minute. Like, he doesn't know. Alphonse and Ori, they, they don't know. And it takes them a minute, and the reaction is pretty much humanly between yep. the two. Uh, full mal- uh, between the two alchemist brothers, is that they were actually discussed in horror, as what you know they should be. Well, think about that. If you were put in those shoes, if you were thrown into a situation where the last time you were in this house, it was a happy family, father, daughter, dog, you know, happy shit, and then the next time you show up, he's gone. Like, you can't find him anywhere. And the only thing in the house is a dog with long hair. Then it turns around and says your name. Oh my god, that is some terrifying shit. Like, that sounds like some horror movie shit. Because it technically was. You know, real talk, the Full Metal Alchemist series kind of dips its toe into some dark shit pretty often. Now, when you really think about it. Well, okay, how about about this? When uh, Lust killed the father of that little girl and they just had the birthday party too oh you're talking about hughes yeah his friend oh no 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 we don't talk about maze hughes man that is genuinely one of the saddest deaths in anime i have ever seen in my life no but it dealt with like kind of real shit like lust killed him then envy took the form of him and as if I if I saw one of my friends dead, if I knew one of my friends died, and then I just see them out of nowhere, I am going to suspect some really bullshit thing is going on. So technically, yeah, I'd put up my I would put up a gun towards the person and be like, Alright. Answer me this But in all honesty, I mean when Mustang uh, found out that Lust was the one that killed Hughes. His reaction to that, which when he finally got to kill her, like yeah, he busted on those uh, that alchemy explosion magic on her so many times that he made sure that it was going to be hard for her to recover. And in a sense, he did the right thing. Man, I can't remember. At the end of FMA, did uh. Did Ed end up getting his arm and leg back, or was it just his arm that he ended up getting back? Uh, it was just his arm. I, like, genuinely couldn't remember. No, it was just his arm. And I th- and honestly, I think at the time, they forgot about that. <laughs> I honestly think they forgot that his leg was also lost. Because, uh... I believe that's really what some that would have happened and what what people would have wanted. But the only thing about with the father fight is that he only really needed the arm too. I mean, a leg you can a leg with that kind of prosthetic, yeah, you can live like your entire life without having that leg ever again. It's not like it's going to make a difference. Well, see, being being what he is, you know, an alchemist and all that, and like ev- ev- his entire way of fighting that he ended up developing over the years. If I was him and I had a choice, like I would have kept the metal arm. But remember, he couldn't in the firefight. He father fight, not firefight. He couldn't 
due to the fact that he was uh he was given his arm back by Al who sacrificed his soul to give it back so that they could win the fight. Ulrich decided, okay, well I'm just going to give up my all my alchemy to get Al back. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about the Overlord series for uh, the folks that don't really know what that is? It was a game to where it was a uh, role-playing game that it didn't. It wasn't a first-person shooter or anything like that. It was like a fantasy, violence type. Where uh, you were. Let, let me let me uh, let me go through it for the first Overlord. Basically, you were a simple person that was just placed in the middle of these minions, which are kind of like little devils, but are like gremlins in a sense. If you wanted to put them down as like a cultural thing, they were kind of like little gremlins that. Weren't very smart, but you had like a use for them to where you would use them to kill things that you didn't want to kill yourself. Basically, have them you have them do their do your dirty work for you. Yeah, they they were your fighting tool, is what they were, and in the sense that was all right. It's literally in the title for Overlord, so you were their leader. And what you would do is you would go through these objectives, which they gave you in the first game a choice where you could be evil or not so chaotic. They called it the good path, but honestly, it was not so chaotic due to the fact that there wasn't a whole lot of things you could do. But either way, it led to this, down the same path of you're going to have to do the same thing. It's just, do you want to spare this person? Kind of like what it did in like Bioshock 2. It mm. wasn't so chaotic, but it was, do you want to spare this person or make them, make them dead? And honestly, the chaotic path in games is always the funnest. Because if someone wrongs you, and say you're in a bad situation too, when that happens, it does feel good to just go ahead and kill them. Like, I've been in a situation to where I was, like, at the lowest health I could get in that game without dying and had not very many minions left, and I was just completely fucked. You had four four types of minions. You had the Browns, which were your main fighting force. They were the melee types that went in and attacked the enemy. You had these blue minions, which were your healers, that could go into water and survive. You had greens that were resistance to poisonous and were your assassins. Then you had reds, which were fire types that could resist fire, uh, lava, anything that could burn, honestly. And they were your archers, as they would throw uh, their own little fireballs at people, catch them on fire, could cause distractions and end up using your browns or your greens to get behind the distracted enemy and kill them. Damn, so it sounds like you get like a lot of uh, variety in what you can get. Yeah, there's different ways. Like, 
and Overlord 2, they expanded this by having it to where your Browns actually had wolves that they could ride, which helped in breaking down formations of, like, barricades and stuff like that. Uh, you had your greens, they had spiders that could climb walls, ceilings, and uh, help them sneak attack from behind. Your reds had salamanders that they could ride uh, going up ramps and move while firing at uh, enemies. Then your blues, they were still just blues. But the, uh, in Overlord 2, they changed it to where they were able to go invisible if they stood still. So it made it to where your healers wouldn't be targeted if you had them remain still. No, while they were moving, actually. It was while they were moving that they would uh, that they would go invisible. So if you had a, a crowd of enemies surrounding your small little group, as long as they moved, they would grab the injured browns or injured reds and heal them by moving them off to a different area and would resurrect them like a cleric would. On the story aspect, you had, like I said, good and evil, which in Overlord 2, they made it to where you were just evil. Which, you have a choice between, in Overlord 1, between two mistresses. One that was kind-hearted and cared for, like, the well-being of your castle and everything. While the other one wanted, like, a gold digger. She was the queen of the succubi. So you could understand how that kind of worked. I would I would recommend giving it a try. It's low price on Steam Store or on the Xbox and PlayStation Marketplace. Well, uh, funny thing actually, if you have Humble Monthly, then you can you can get it for free out of the Trove and like keep it. Like I actually have Overlord One and Two sitting on a hard drive from where they just they gave me the game for free. I'd like I said, I'd at least recommend playing it. I had a, like a blast, especially when I could get my minions drunk and they would they don't have a big IQ level, in all honesty, if you listen to what they say. But when they're drunk, that literally goes down even more. And it makes for some pretty good humor, I think. In terms of like good offline games, um I started playing uh Katamari Damacy. Uh, which one? Uh, they actually they re-released the game on like did a remaster for P I think PS4, PC, and Switch. I haven't played a Katamari game in well over a decade at this point, so I kind of forgot just how fucking wild these games are until I started playing Katamari and holy shit like i already knew that the point of the game was to roll shit up with the ball as a little green dude and eventually you can get to the point where you're rolling up like planets and galaxies the whole fucking premise of the game at least the first one like i don't know why but like i it just surprised the shit out of me because it basically surmounts to the king of all cosmos who is just the most fabulous motherfucker i tell you what went on a drunken bender and ended up destroying all the stars in the sky. Yeah, I, I think I remember that from the first one. 
And then he's just like, hey, yeah, Prince. Yeah, I need you to make new stars. I kind of crash landed into all the stars and destroyed them. Like, all of them. So I need you to make some new ones. And some constellations, too, while you're at it. This last go-round, I've been playing it with my uh, with my roommate. And we've just been having a fucking ball playing it. And then to make constellation levels, you're supposed to roll up specific things for, like, different stars. And it's supposed to be, like, a challenge to see if you can get all these things, right? And yeah. get, the, get the thing to have mostly this. But specifically for Make Cancer, it's really fucking easy because the goal is to roll up just crabs. Like, all you're rolling up is crabs. Like, like that's what it wants you to get. Are you sure you're not trying to roll up an STD? But the only thing in the level to roll up is crabs. Well, that is the constellation. It's just, it's hilarious to me that, like, in the other ones, they actually, you're actually able to roll up other shit that's not what you're looking for. You, I remember that you could roll up, like, I believe it's in one of the last levels, but you actually have to make one of the balls that you had to roll up so big that you had, that you get to roll up Godzilla, Titans, and or whoever else, right? Um, I remember, at least from the last level in Katamari Forever on the Xbox 360, you were, in the last level, you, you start off kind of small. You're rolling up, like, bushes, rakes, um, small signs, apples, you know, shit like that. Small things, like apple crates. But then, you then end up getting to such a colossal size that not only are you rolling up, like, you, you get to, like, where you're rolling up, like, buildings in the town and, like, boats. To the point where you're getting stadiums and then mountains and then, like, yeah, kaiju, like, you know, Godzilla and King Kong. The point where you're dead, you deadass roll up countries, off, like, continents off of the planet and can roll up gods. And then you just get so goddamn big, you eventually just roll up the Earth itself. And what what about the uh, what about the father? Uh, he's just like, oh hey yeah, good work, man. Oh, it it they should have had it toward the you roll up the father, and be like, this is a lesson for your mistake. <laughs> that would be hilarious if you were able to roll up the king. Although that I think that would cause a paradox. I mean, you would become the next king. I mean, it'd just it'd be like just like Game of Thrones. I mean, do you really think that the king of all cosmos could even die? Well, he isn't technically gonna die. He's gonna be reincarnated as a uh, star. Part of me doesn't think that's how it works. Look, he's going into that motherfucker whether he likes it or not. Look, mom already approved. It's gonna it's gonna happen. All right. So, um, have you guys heard about the recent drama going on between the movies Elite Battle Angel and Captain Marvel? Uh, what do you mean? So, the movie Elite Battle Angel and Captain Marvel, um, they both came out at the same time. Did they? And the lead actress for Captain Marvel, Brie Larson, at an award show, and basically, in so many words, I'm 
hardcore paraphrasing here, but basically said she doesn't want any white dudes uh, being on her press tour, and she doesn't care about what white dudes have to say about pretty much anything regarding movies. Uh, who is this? The Captain Marvel girl? Yeah, the girl playing Captain Marvel. The actress name is uh, Brie Larson. Ah, no wonder. Like, they were having so much drama on the set. It's because she's a cunt. (laughs) I'm serious. (laughs) Like, oh, I don't want any white males to be anywhere near me. It's like, okay, why white males? It's like, because of white privilege. It's like, okay, so you think white privilege is something that you should care about apparently so many people were upset that they basically called for people to boycott captain marvel and to instead go see alita battle angel oh yeah if i if i would have known that i wouldn't have seen it what i find hilarious about all this is that people that are fans of elite that you know went to see alita battle angel and enjoyed it for the most part they seem to be just rather decently chill folk there are some shitty people but i mean there's shitty people that like a lot of things out there so there's gonna be shitty people around the world no matter where you go you really can't hold that against them at least against the majority a lot of people that have been defending um captain marvel have basically been trying to say that lita battle angel didn't do well and basically fudge the numbers for captain marvel and try to make it seem like, oh, your boycott didn't do shit. Which, I mean, of course, of course, there it's not like anybody that's actually trying to boycott the movie and get people to, to join in. They're sorely mistaken. That's not going to happen. It, it it's not it's not the thing about the boycott that's the real issue. It's the issue that if you have someone that's kind of racist like she is for saying that that's the real issue i i haven't seen either film yet so i there's not a whole lot i can really say on it but i'm i'm gonna tell you right now since i've actually seen cat marvel i don't i'll i'll give my opinion on it i don't i don't think it was actually that good to where it was go see in the movies to be honest but like i said that's just me one common complaint I continually hear about the movie is that it's two nineties. Well, it was pretty much set in the nineties. Like it was pretty much kind of set, like set to where it's like, okay, remember, um, oh, what what's the movie to where it had Danger Zone in it? It was pretty much set in that time area, like you know that time area, right? Top Gun. Top Gun, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was set in the it's set in the nineties. See, it's not yeah, that. It was, it's that. Po- I'm sorry. It was supposed to be kind of set to then to where it's like she knew Nick Fury when he was just becoming a Shield agent, which back then the Shield agent was pretty much the nineties FBI is literally what they pretty much showed for it. So like, you know, you're going to be like, "Oh yeah, okay." It's like, sure. It's like it's FBI, but in the ni- in the 90s, 
Which, I mean, I think they did, like, a funny thing to where it's, like, he's incompetent of the alien races and stuff like that and what's really going on. Like, I want to go watch the movie. If for any reason, if for anything, it's at least because it is the film right before Endgame. And I'm certain that there's, I'm, I'm assuming you can confirm this, there is actual, like, Endgame shit in there. I'm assuming at least in the post credit, uh, post credit. It's stuff. in the post credit. Basically, um, spoiler for anybody that hasn't seen Infinity Wars. I know there's, I know some people personally who still haven't seen it due to the fact that they're behind on a lot of films. So, but um, spoiler. After Thanos snaps everybody out of existence. Nick at the post credit scene for Infinity Wars, Nick Fury brought out this pager that was modified. And er and it seems like it's kind of modern times pager, but it's more futuristic than that. But he pulls it out and activates it, which sends a beacon that, hey, Earth's in trouble, we need your help to Cat Marvel. And she's on the other side pretty much of the universe trying to find I'll say a planet, trying to find a planet. I ain't gonna say like what it's for for like the people who haven't seen Cat Marvel yet, but uh she basically shows up and says where's Nick Fury to Widowmaker C Rogers. I am not shitting you. I am legit that that is it. So, I don't know about you, but I'm planning on catching that movie um, on, like, opening night, uh, Endgame. Yeah, uh, or at least opening day for me right now. Myself and my roommates, uh, we've actually made plan we're making plans to uh, go catch the premiere for Endgame. And I am so looking forward to it, because, holy shit, I want to know what happens uh I just want to know what happens next, man. Well, I I know what's gonna happen. I mean, we've all we've all seen. Well, we've all seen what happened. Like it's already been revealed. Ant Man's gonna go up Thanos's ass. Well, I mean, yeah, that's the only logical thing to do is to have Ant Man crawl upside Thanos up inside Thanos's ass and it grow. But in real in real retrospect, I will be angry if Disney does not at least mention that idea. It, it's been, it's been a, like a big meme right now. And honestly, I think it's a really funny meme. And I will be really upset if they don't even just mention that idea. I, that would be really awesome if they like, did that. But part of me feels like that they're not actually going to do that. No, just just say it. They don't have to implement it into there. It's just like, well, we could always just shove them up Thanos's, and then he, Steve Rogers would be like, language. That would be a good bit. That would be really good. Like more than anything, though, I really want to know what happens to uh, Thanos more than anything. Do... Well, he'll survive because he'll be a ongoing threat. In the comics, he's died, come back, died. Which, I mean, if they do have it to where he lives, I mean, to where he dies, 
kudos. Now we have a thing to where we can implement that into the next Deadpool. I mean, I'm pretty sure he's going to get his cheeks clapped no matter what. But, but also, by the way, uh, sorry to interrupt, but uh, you can't make a snapping sound with a metal gauntlet. It's not physically possible. So how do we know that he didn't just clap his ass cheeks together at the right moment? Well, we don't really have a uh, any conclusive evidence stating that that didn't happen. But I feel like it's a pretty safe bet. Like, for real, though, I just want to know how Thanos is going to get his ass beat. So, I mean, we can, like I said, we all pretty much know that Thanos is going to get his cheeks clapped. But I want to know how the fuck that happens. Well, well, if you think about it this way, Thanos took literally a hit from the moon that was on Titan. They He took so much damage from Iron Man, Spider-Man, uh, Star-Lord, you know, so many people, just for a drop of blood. And you'll think, wow, okay, that actually, now that I remember that, that's actually pretty overpowered. He's, like, pretty overpowered. But if you think about it this way, you gotta remember, Thor threw his axe at him. His new, it's not really much of a hammer, I'll be honest, because it's Windbreaker. It's not uh, Mjolnir. It's Windbreaker. It's supposed to be for another person in the comic books. But uh, he threw that, and it went right into his chest. So right then and there, Thor could have killed him. Right then and there. And everybody that re- that will remember it will be like, yeah, I remember that. And that's probably how they're going to beat, the- uh, beat Thanos again. But they'll also have Captain Marvel, who somehow can break metal with her photon blasts, but can't kill a human being with them? How the hell not? I don't know. It's in the movie. Okay. Uh, that just doesn't make sense. Uh, I mean, then again, though, it's fucking movies, man. But, like I said, it's PG. They're just more of a crowd. Which is kind of weird that they'll have it to where, like, quite a bit of people die. But, if you have it to where, like, Thanos Snap, which killed a lot of people, which that technically wasn't PG at all. I mean, technically not, but it wasn't really a gruesome thing. No. I mean, just a bunch of people became dust. Like, there's nothing really gruesome about becoming dust. It's just, that is a terrifying premise, dude. Like, I can't even imagine what even just seeing that would be like, let alone, um, let alone what, like, you got to imagine that Peter Parker, like, like that, that must, that must suck. Well, they still got to do the second, uh, home com- uh, Spider-Man homecoming movie, which is supposed to be right before all that even happened, which I mean, they're, it's by them doing that. It always should, obviously shows that okay they haven't fully completed their arsenal for that kind of stuff which is kind of good to where it leads up to where it's like okay uh how did 
Peter Parker really end up there, which they said it was a school trip. But it's like in a timeline situation to where it's just not that oh yeah, he was magically there for like an inst for like an instant to where it's like, oh, he magically ended up on a school trip that led him to help Tony Stark and them in this fight. Well, I think we should go ahead and call this to a close. Thank you all for joining us on this train wreck of a fucking podcast. We don't really have much to point towards for social media right now, so we're just kind of going to say if like you if you're listening to this right now, you probably found us on iTunes or or uh, Google Play or Spotify or some shit. So, thank you. If your friends also want to listen to a shitty podcast, direct them to us. They will not be as shitty going down the line. I can pretty much promise that. But if you uh, would like to reach out to to me, I have a Twitter at uh, Sleepy Dandy. That's pretty much the end of the show.